Welcome to the Back Row Texan Show. Brought to you by the Back Row Sports Network. I'm your host, Branson Thomas, talking all things Houston Texans football. Here we go. Welcome back, Houston Texans fans, to another episode of the Back Row Texans Show. We are one month away, guys. One month away from game time. Chiefs-Texans Thursday night, one month from now, September 10th. Whew. You know, I can't wait, and hopefully, you know, COVID kind of tames down, or at least to a point where we can have the season, and, you know, get some sense of normalcy back in our lives. And on this week's episode, we are going to talk about the opt-outs. Um, a couple of the players have spoke to the media, so we'll talk about that as well. Um, practice is coming up. And then we're going to get into my favorite Texans players of all time um, for each kind of position area. You know, just trying to have some fun on the episode this week and and kind of relive the past with some of the glory glory days and the the players that really helped uh, mold the this young franchise as it is. So to start off, you know, for the COVID testing, something around 55 to 60 players have tested positive since the start of training camp. You know, that's that's a little over 2% of the league, which the goal was to keep it under 5% uh, before they switched from daily testing to every other day. So it looks like it's headed in that direction. There have also been a number of players that have been put on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. 30 to 40 of those uh, players have either been in close contact with somebody who has had it and needed to be quarantined uh, for exposure or false positives. So, you know, obviously tests are going to get false positives no matter what. uh, So that's kind of a a damper and things. Uh, Some of the notable ones, you know, Matthew Stafford. Uh, he was put on there, and I want to say his was for a false positive because I want to say his wife came out and was just reaming somebody about it. Um, another one, though, was Gardner Minshew, which if you thought about what player in the league was going to get you know, uh, COVID-19, you'd probably think Rob Gronkowski in Gardner Minshew. Just my thoughts. But he has since been removed from the list and came out and even said, I did not contract the virus. It took one look at me and ran the other way, probably in its best interest. While Minshew may not be the best quarterback, he is a funny character, and I do like him. I do enjoy him. Um, so hopefully he can stick around and do some things for Jacksonville, to, enough to keep him in the league anyways, because he is a character and, and a lot of fun. And as for your opt-outs... Thursday, August 6th, was the deadline. So that was last Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central for you Texans fans. So it had to be a written notice uh, from player to club. 
So as previously said before, you could either voluntarily opt out, which any player drafted in 2020 um, or who earned a credited season in 2019 who voluntarily opted out, they got $150,000 salary advance, um, and then their contract would toll to the next year. They would not earn an accredited or accrued season. Uh, they would, however, still have health insurance, so that was good. Um, the other end was the high-risk opt-outs. So a player who qualifies as having uh, a high-risk condition or, or proof of, of someone close that is, you'd get $350,000 stipend, does not count as a salary advance, and their contract would toll. So they would earn an accrued season towards free agency, as well as all the benefits, minimum salary credit for accredited season, uh, they would also have health insurance still. You know, and some of the things that constituted as a high-risk uh, condition were like cancer, kidney disease, uh, bad asthma, type 2 diabetes, cystic fibrosis, liver disease. There, I mean, there's a long list of things. Uh, but if you had this, then you were able to opt out. And like I said before, not everybody that has these things is opting out. I mean... I think last episode I said James Conner was not opting out, and he's four years removed from cancer, so you just never know. Uh, but once you've made that decision, it is irrevocable. You cannot change your mind one way or the other after the deadline. There is, however, one exception, and that is players may opt out after the deadline if a close family member gets seriously sick with COVID or they themselves have a newly diagnosed with high-risk conditions. So halfway through the year, player A gets tested and is now type 2 diabetic. He can then opt out for the remainder of the year because he is now at high risk with his new condition he's developed. So the deadline has passed, and no major Texans have opted out. Uh, we talked about the one defensive tackle last week for Houston, and that's pretty much it. Bill O'Brien himself on the day of the deadline was not anticipating anybody opting out because everybody had reported already, or he's seen everybody. So he wasn't too worried about it. Hopefully from here, you know, everybody comes in, we're testing good, and it's good to go for Friday. Because what's Friday? Not only is it, it's August 14th, but it is the first day of pads and real practice for Houston. I am super excited and cannot wait. You know, it'll be good for players to get out there, kind of get a feel for things, um, as we would be roughly three weeks away from opening day. And, you know, just something about it, it it's getting me kind of, I'm fired up. I'm ready for football season. Hopefully it does come, like I said. Hopefully there's no setbacks with COVID and we do have our season. Uh, but hopefully everybody stays safe in the process because, you know, in the end it is football. There are a lot of jobs that are tied to it, so... You know, everybody with the college football issues going on, uh, a lot of people are trying to say, oh, it's just football. Well, you don't think of the ramifications of all the job loss and the economies that are actually hit from a loss of football season. A lot of places and schools, that is their bread and butter. That is what they make their money on. So we'll see how it goes uh, with that. I know uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-10, I believe, have already come out or they'll actually be reporting tomorrow saying, that their football season is canceled. So it'll be interesting to see 
how other conferences like the SEC and Big 12, if they follow suit or do their own thing. But I know a lot of players like Trevor Lawrence and um, whatnot are all petitioning and, and speaking out that they want to play. So we'll see how that kind of plays into factors. But with the conditioning ramp-up period kind of winding down this week, um, this past week, players have kind of taken to the podium. You know, Merciless talked. Um, you had Brandon Cooks talk. You had Randall Cobb come out and talk. Uh, you had, you had, you know, J.J. Watt come out and talk, and, and Deshaun Watson come out and talk, of course. Uh, you know, your main guys, your new guys, David Johnson. They all came out and talked. And some, some notable things that I kind of took away from it, you know, other than Cobb is he feels they would have had typically 25 or so opportunities with Deshaun in an offseason to actually go over routes and get timing, get a feel for each other, whereas this funky offseason, be it, you're only going to really get like five to six. So hopefully – both being veterans um, and Cobb being the special player he is kind of in, in having played with Dak and Rodgers that he can adjust and help help Deshaun out in a shorter amount of time. Deshaun Watson, you know, he came out and was really praising and talking high on the chemistry with his new wide receivers, and he thinks it's going to be easy for him. You know, he's high on the chemistry, like I said, and hopefully, you know, that shows in games and shows in um, practices that they can even get on a better page with each other and really develop into something special this year and have an offense that that really clicks on all cylinders. And what I took away from J.J. Watt talking, he said this is as good as he's felt since 2014-2015. Well, that was MVP-level years. You know, back then he was scoring offensive touchdowns, defensive touchdowns, racking up 20 and a half sacks. And, you know, if I'm not saying he's going to get 20 sacks this year, but if he's that healthy and he hasn't been in a while, you know, barring some freak play, you know, where you break your leg against Kansas City or you tear a pectoral muscle, you know, he's he's going to be in for a good year. And I could honestly see another 15 plus sacks from him easily. And, you know, by him staying in and healthy, he really helps the secondary out, gets pressure, relieves the stress from the other side of the line where you're needing somebody to put pressure on the quarterback as well, especially when Watt goes down. So hopefully he is that healthy. Hopefully he can stay that way and, really be an asset to this team like he has been when he's on the field because when he's on the field undoubtedly he is one of the best defensive linemen ever I know that's just an opinion but I feel like a lot of people will agree and speaking of opinions let's get talking about my favorite Texans of all time per their position areas so before we start with that let me throw out there that you know that these are my personal favorites it has nothing to do with, oh, they hold the stat record for this or that. You know, it's just my personal favorite ones from, well, since I started being a Texans fan in 2002, day one. So we're going to go right in and start with the defensive side of the ball. Cornerback, holding down the secondary back there, your boy Jonathan Joseph. 
acquisition in 2011, came over from Cincinnati, and has basically just balled out ever since. I was a little disappointed that he's not a Texan this year, and then he went to the freaking Titans. Why does everybody go to the Titans after they leave here? Oh, frustrating. But hopefully, you know, he he balls out this year. I want him to. I think he's only a handful of pass breakups away from setting the NFL record. He has the Texans record at 118. Um, his career, I think he's sitting at like 194, I believe. So hopefully he can break that record with them. I would have liked for him to have broken it with us, but I still want him to break the record. And then retire and come coach the secondary for us in Houston. That would be awesome. Um, you know, he had 17 interceptions in his tenure with us and four touchdowns. You, you can't ask for more. You know, he, he did an awesome job. He was a team player, uh, took these younger guys under his wing, and, and really did a good job in and out of the locker room, you know. So Jonathan Joseph is by far my favorite cornerback of all time for Houston so far. High bar set by him, but hopefully a long history of good cornerbacks is to come. Uh, moving over, staying in the secondary, though, we're going to go with safety, and that is Justin Reed. Uh, he's currently on the roster. He's you know only a couple years into his career, but I really like his playing style. I like what he's doing. Um, you know, he's an amazing person on and off the field. He does a lot for the community, um, and he does make plays on the field. You know, last year he was hurt most of the year with shoulder injury, uh, but played through it. He's a tough sob, and well, frankly. I think he is going to be a star in this league. I really do. Um, that's not just being, you know, the fan in me and being biased and wishful thinking. I, I really do think so. And, and a lot of people, you know, coming into the draft, he was a first-round talent, and we somehow scooped him up in the third round. So, you know, hopefully he's playing with that chip on his shoulder and uh, blossoms into something awesome. From safety, let's move on to linebackers. This one was a little tough for me. You know, a huge fan of a lot of linebackers, actually, that we've had. Um, I'm a big fan of Cunningham right now. He is awesome. BMAC, you know, he's the run stopper, but I, I like Cunningham better for some reason. The Then you've got some older ones like D'Amico Ryans and then Brian Cushing. Man, that was where my decision lied was between them two. I was a huge fan of both, you know, Brian Cushing, the dude was, he was nuts, you know, I, that picture where he was bleeding from his face because he smashed his face with the his own helmet because he was mad, just that energy and that team leadership, he was, he was crazy, he really was, somebody you wouldn't want to cross, and you know, and he's back on the Texans now, and you know, helping out there and doing good things for us, and I really like that, but ultimately, I had to go with my boy D'Amico Ryans, you know. He was the number one from day one, you know. And, you know, he's the all-time leader in Texans history in tackles. He he did it all. And oh, I hated seeing him go. And he went to the Eagles. And, you know, I just I wanted him back so bad. And it is what it is. But he was just a solid piece in that defense. You could always count on him. He was a sure tackler. He could do coverage. And 
he came to play every day. He wasn't taking anything off, and that was one of the things I liked about him too. So, you know, rounding out the linebacker core, we're going D'Amico Ryans. So to finish off the defense after that, it's the defensive line. This one, I <laughs> most people can probably guess it. Um, current player on the roster will go down as one of the greatest defensive linemen ever. And it's J.J. Watt. Yeah, woohoo, crazy answer, you know, really, really going out there on this one. Um, but he's just so much fun. He's so much fun to watch, you know, and it, it does suck when he's not on the field, when he's he's injured as it has been the past couple seasons. You know, it, it really hurts and it really shows how much damage he does when he's on the field um, by the lack of damage when he's not there. You know, guys like Whitney Merciless, they struggle to really produce when when J.J. Watt's not there. And I've met Whitney Merciless, actually. I met him at a Fuddruckers uh, outside of Houston there in Sugarland uh, a couple of years back. Uh, he was on the radio show there, and I got to meet him afterwards. It was pretty cool. Um, would love to have him on the show and, and talk about his restaurants and cooking and football and all that fun jazz. But, you know, J.J. Watt... He's a generational talent, and, you know, this little farm boy from Wisconsin that people were not too thrilled about when he got drafted um, really butted into a star and and will go down as one of the greatest defensive linemen of all time, hands down. I don't doubt it. Uh, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You don't win three-time defensive player of the year and not do that. Um, and that's just the football stuff. His What he does off the field – is, you know, second to none. You know, with Hurricane Harvey, he raised all that money for the city, started out with donating, I think, like $200,000 and challenging people to donate and ended up making over $34 million for the Hurricane Relief Fund. So it was truly awesome. And then, you know, he's got his TV show, The Ultimate Tag, with his brothers, TJ and Derek. And, and you know, that, just watching him do that, he's done some acting, and, you know, I would more like him to focus on football. It's still entertaining, and he's definitely going to have life after football. Um, so it'll be fun to, to watch that and see um, where he goes from that and just kind of enjoy his humor because he is a pretty funny guy and just enjoy that after after his hopefully long career that goes for at least a couple more years. But that wraps up the defense. So let's move over to our offense. And we'll kind of work our way out um, from the big men out. So let's start with the big men. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Dwayne Brown. Um, probably our greatest offensive lineman since we started. I did like Derek Newton. Uh, he, was, he was cool. I really hated what happened to his legs. Um, coming out air casts on both knees. I mean, that's a terrible way to go. Um, but yeah, Dwayne Brown, he was, he was a boss on the field. I mean, you couldn't deny that he was good. And what could have happened for the first couple years in Deshaun Watson's career if we would have had him? I mean, I know I love Laramie Tunsil now, you know, he's, he's a baller, you know, I love Laramie Tunsil now. He's he's a baller. He just needs to work on his uh, false starts and issues with that. But, you know, having a full year and an offseason and stuff to go really will help with those small nuances. Because um, remember, he only had a couple days before 
season started this last year when he got traded over. So, um, but no, Dwayne Brown for sure was my favorite, uh, lineman of all time. I did find it entertaining though, when we did trade him, which I didn't like the trade, but when we did trade him, we went and played Seattle and then traded him to Seattle to make sure, you know, he wasn't going to, uh, hurt us by being so good. So moving out a little bit from the line, we're going to go with tight end. Um, my boy, Owen Daniels, he's a great blocker, great hands, probably holds all the Houston Texans records for tight ends, um, except for touchdowns in a season. Darren Fells got you there. Um, you know, he solidified the middle of the field. While I don't feel we've really ever had an amazing slot receiver, um, hopefully, hopefully Cobb changes that this year. He was that piece in the middle of the field, and... You know, before his injuries, Fedorowicz, I felt, was kind of going to start taking that that role and, and moving on with it. But, uh, yeah, Owen Daniels, man, he, he balled out. Loved him in the Texans uniform. Obviously, he went to Denver afterwards and did quite well there as well. But, you know, when he was here, he he demanded, you know, excellence and, and really did an awesome job. So, like I said, as my tight end for my favorites – Owen Daniels for sure. Now, running back position, we've had a ton of guys. Nobody's really stood out except one. Um, you know, a couple of them, they're fun and do some things, but uh, you got to go with Arian Foster. You really do. The man, he just killed it. Undrafted, came in, had over 200 yards in his first game there against the Colts, and from then on out was just awesome, involved. He had you know, 1400 yard seasons, several in a row, you know, he holds the, the all time rushing record for the Texans. He had, you know, six over 6,400, um, rushing yards. I'm going to say, so 6,472. Uh, he also had 54 rushing touchdowns, which again is, is the franchise record, uh, in this young franchise. But he wasn't just a rusher. He could also catch out of the backfield. You know, he ended up with around 250 catches and over 2,200 yards. And then throw on 14 more reception touchdowns, too. So he was doing it in all facets of the offense, which, you know, when he was out there, the offense went through him. And, you know, people like Schaub loved having him on the field. And I wouldn't blame him if I was the quarterback. Set hike, hand it to Arian. Done. <laughs> That's just how I would do it. But yeah, for for all time running backs in in Houston, it's it's going to be tough for uh, anyone to pass his uh, his skill set and his uh, allocades throughout his career. Now let's go to wide receiver, and yeah, this is my favorite player in Texans history. Um. And that's Andre Johnson. You know, the dude was a rock. All the skill sets. You know, we drafted him super high in the first round. And if he didn't have a carousel of crappy quarterback play, he would have stats galore. You know, and he'd be talked about, honestly, as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. You know, he's up there in yards. He's up there in receptions, touchdowns. He did it all. And, 
was pretty quiet about it too. You know, I mean, it it did help. You know, boost some ratings when he uh, whooped up on the Tennessee Titans cornerback. That was always a, a fun one to go back and watch. But he ended his career here in Houston with the records in receptions with 1,012 uh, yards with 13,597 and touchdowns with 64. Um, no doubt Hopkins would have surpassed him in probably all of these, uh, especially the touchdowns. He was only 10 away. Um, but Hopkins is gone and I loved him as a wide receiver, but he will never come close to Andre Johnson. You know, there's, there's just something about, uh, something about that first love that it's hard to beat, but Andre Johnson by far is, is my, uh, my favorite Texans player and, and favorite wide receiver. And he was my first Texans jersey, and uh, I will proudly have that hanging up on my wall for sure for uh, a long time coming. Now I just got to get away for him to sign it. So to round out your offense, we're going to go with none other than Deshaun Watson. DW4, hopefully the savior of the Texans, you know, a lot of people think Bill O'Brien's trying to run them into the ground, and a lot of people think the only way they're winning is because Deshaun Watson. Whether you believe that or not, Deshaun Watson is an elite quarterback, and he's proven it time and time again. Um, this year will be his biggest year to prove it um, because he won't have that number one wide receiver. He won't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore, and I think he's going to come out and ball. I do. He is going to throw up numbers better than last year I really believe that he's got a more developed more rounded wide receiver core now I think than previously but just doesn't have that superstar and you know Matt Schaub he holds the Texans records for yards I think it's like 23,200 plus um you know Carr is in second place um and I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson's actually going to pass him in yardage this year. Uh, Deshaun has 9,700 yards, and so he'll move into second place more than likely uh, by the end of this year. Um, he's second in touchdowns to Schaub already. Schaub has 124, Deshaun has 71. So if he has two good years in two years, he will be the franchise leader in that as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and the reason I think he's going to pass these and have such a good year is he's number one on the Texans for completion percentage, and he is ranked up there in the league in completion percentage. He is an accurate quarterback and can throw the ball deep. And when you have multiple wide receivers that are really good at going deep, then that only is going to mean good things. So I look for Deshaun to have a good year. I'm looking for that contract to drop any day now. You know, I'm hopefully uh, get that message on my phone saying, hey, contract's coming, heads up. You know, so if I hear that, you'll hear that. Trust me. I'll be all over it and sending that out ASAP. But that's not going to round out my team favorites. I am going to go ahead and throw out a special teams player. My third favorite Texan of all time behind Andre Johnson and J.J. Watt is also the current longest tenured Texan in that of John Weeks, the long snapper. You know, he has played hurt 
and through everything. He has been here for 10 years, played 160 games. You know, since he started, he's started. So, yeah, you can do the math. 10 times 16 is 160, and that's just regular season games. He's played in the playoff games as well. But he he's a solid, you know, component in the locker room, a good voice for the young guys to lean to and listen to, um, and just a rock in that special teams unit. You know, if you can consistently have a good snapper, a good holder, and a good kicker, you're set. Um, last year, I think we got the holder down, um, and previously, I think we've gotten kicker down. I'm, I'm a real good fan of uh, our current kicker, um, which I will not try to pronounce his full name on this podcast. Maybe in another podcast, I'll give her a shot, but... Either way, John Weeks is, he's definitely up there. Like I said, I think he's number three in my all-time favorites. Um, solid guy, just a lot of fun. <laughs> Constant, he's a Pro Bowl long snapper. It's just it's just funny. It's entertaining for me, you know. I'm a huge fan of a long snapper. But regardless, still a lot of fun. That's officially going to round out my favorite Texans of all time. You know, if we can recap, I had J. Joe, Jonathan Joseph as my cornerback, Justin Reed as my safety, uh, D'Amico Ryans and J.J. Watt rounded out the defense. We had Dwayne Brown, Owen Daniels on the line and tight end. Uh, Arian Foster was in the backfield next to Deshaun Watson. Andre Johnson was out wide, and when we did not score touchdowns, or actually when we did and it was an extra point, John Weeks was the long snapper. So that was my uh, my top top team, my top uh, favorites for Houston Texans football. And, you know, it's subject to change. It's my opinion, and you can definitely uh, – I'd love to hear some of your guys' uh, your favorites, you know, disagree or agree with me. Um, Either way, it's fun to, to talk about, you know, past allocades and, and past players as well as current ones. Uh, so hit me up, you know, Back Row Texans on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, go out there, you know, give me a rate and review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I'm on pretty much all of them. But yeah, give me a rating. Help, uh, help get the word out there, you know, share with your friends um, and their friends. Tell them to share it as well. Go out there, you know, be safe with everything that's going on with COVID and everything else. Um, you know, lots of decisions are coming to be made soon about, you know, kids going back to school, you know, whether sports will be played this fall. And just be smart with what you do. You know, wear your mask, uh, whether it be for you or for somebody else you know. But most of all, don't forget, go Texans!